This is Breaking Big, where we interview people about their careers in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Aaron Neumeyer. Everyone here at Thunder Tally Media is thrilled to be featured on the Hoo Ha Ha app under the Podcasts We Love section. Elizabeth Banks and her team are on a mission to spotlight and support women in comedy. One of the ways they do that is by amplifying women's voices like this podcast. If you haven't already, check out the hoohaha.com website and download the app. There's so much great content there. And now I'd like to welcome you to Breaking Big. Hello there and welcome. I am your host, Erin Neumeyer. This episode will be broadcast on camera on our Thunder Tally media pages, on Facebook, and on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening in podcast-only mode, you can always rewatch the video or clips or see photos there and on Stitcher, which now offers a video option. So let's get started. This is the one with Samantha K. Henderson. Samantha is an award-winning film and TV producer working in Sacramento and Los Angeles. She's the co-director of the SAC Film Challenge, a music and film festival, and she founded the Sacramento Film Project, which is a film group that focuses on networking and developing filmmakers. Samantha serves on the board of directors for Access Sacramento, public access TV and radio, and is certified as a TV and radio producer. Her newest film, Smash, premiered at Rally Studios Hollywood in November 2021 as part of Women in Media's Camaraderie Initiative and is now on a festival run. And in 2019, she wrapped Chef in Sacramento, which she also wrote and directed. She's a member of Women in Media, Capital Film Arts Alliance, and the Northern California Film Coalition. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thank you for having me, Erin. So glad to have you here. I'm very excited to represent Sacramento, you know, include our, our, our Northern California contingent. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. we got a great film community up there that, you know, people need to talk about more. Yeah, it definitely sounds like there's a lot of really great things going on up there. Um, so tell us, like, what is your background? Like, how did you get into the film industry? So my, my background is is very so if we're talking like education and you know career one it would be banking finance business um but i've had the love of storytelling my whole life so it started you know as a young girl um learning to tell jokes with my dad and my brothers and so like for me uh storytelling entertaining you know having a good time Really, you could do it in any form. So I gravitated to filmmaking, you know, from photography, just wanted to explore the art um, and the format. And I've been hooked ever since. So that is my story in brief. <laughs> That's great. So um, I know when you first started out, you focused a little bit more on doing um, sound recording, engineering and mixing. Can you tell us how you got into that? Well, sure. So I, what a lot of people don't know about me is I was uh, rapping um, in high school and beyond. And, and as a recording artist, had a lot of experience in the studio. Um, in addition to coming from a family with the musical background. And so um, I was at a meetup, met a woman who said that she was working in independent film and I'm like, hey, just invite me on the set. Like, I'll do whatever. And so my first gig was to hold the boom over my head for hours and hours at a time with the sound recorder dangling off of me. 
And because you don't see very many women doing that, and then I'm a black woman at that, you don't forget my name. So I just started getting invited um, to set after set, project after project to do sound. And so if you're looking at my IMDb, you'll see many credits uh, there. And it just kind of went along with what I already knew. And then it was great to be able to apply it to film because being on the sets really helped me learn what all the people were doing on there. And so I got to pick and choose the things that I wanted to try out over the years. That's great. You know, um, oh, here we have a picture of you. I don't know if you remember what project this is from, but I can- This is, yeah, that was a um, 48 hour film festival challenge film um, that we were working on. And I see you've got the the boom mic and it's got one of those big uh, blimp, like wind yes. reduction uh, <laughs> contraptions on the top. <laughs> yeah, the equipment always looks a little wonky, um, but it, it's it's really what helps the sound, you know, to be to be good on the set. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, it looks like you guys were filming something outside, so I know uh, that makes a huge difference. Um, so um, I wondered if you could explain just a little bit more about what the sound department does in, in the mix of filming, because I think um, it's probably one of those areas that's so important, but it can sometimes get overlooked by people who are just starting out or doing those kind of film challenges or just getting started uh, even in, in college. I feel like sometimes not enough attention is put on the sound department. Yeah, so regardless of um, like small independent films or the larger independent films in television, like the sound department is integral because people will usually forgive the, the visual mistakes and technical glitches, but not so much when you're dealing with audio. So what we're doing um, in general is recording sound. And so we show up with the plan, you know, so we're, you know, talk, interacting with directors and producers and the DPs trying to figure out what's happening, um, what the need is. So is it a boom mic? And that's the little thing that we're holding over our head. Is it the lavalier mics, the little lapel mics that um, we plant on people's clothes or on their person somewhere? Or is it like a plant mic that's, you know, somewhere in the on the set trying to capture environmental and atmospheric noise? And so we're the ones managing that process. So from the from the design on set and the plan to the actual recording. And so you may see multiple people. You may have one mixer for a very complicated production and, and, and maybe one or more boom people. But a lot of times on independent projects, it's just one person with the mixer hanging off of their person and a boom. And that's that's what most people um, associate the sound department with. Yeah, I, I thought um, it was interesting that right away you got thrown kind of into like holding the boom mic because I have read it is very difficult. It's not, I know they build it to be lightweight, but anytime you're having to hold something over your head for hours at a time, I know there's like strategies to not, you know, injure yourself. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you got to practice first of all. And I can't say like, oh, I lifted a whole lot of weights and prepared myself. It's just really trying techniques getting the rest when I can. So, you know, in between the DP and director talking about what they want to alter, like I'm resting my arms. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you're just waiting for that cut so you can bring your <laughs> arms down. Yes, um, yes. And then I heard you say plant mic. Is, is that like where you stick the microphone actually in a plant or something? Yeah, I think that's where the term came from. But really, it's, you know, hiding a recording device somewhere on the set because you're trying to pick up some atmospheric sound. So it could be like a walk. It could be like people whispering in a corner. So anything that you're trying to capture while you're set up for a certain scene, um, we call it a plant mic. If it's not necessarily on the person or like a boom overhead. So that's really the difference um, in that case. That's so cool. Yeah. um, I was also thinking for redundancies because a couple of times I've tried to record projects and because it's usually just me or a couple of people that don't really know how to do sound very well. I don't always have someone like independently monitoring it. So like I usually run a lav on each person and then the boom and then but like a lot of times like there will be something wrong with the lav like it'll be rustling on clothes or something and then you can't use it and you need that. (laughs) Uh, third microphone yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm an advocate for for going full on boom. Like I understand why people want the lab mics because it's easy to kind of hide them away. But rustling of the clothes, like little taps sometimes, like the actor uh, will tap something, and then the lab mic is picking up all of that. And so, like you will find that you have more challenges with those microphones. And so you're right, the redundancy makes a big difference. Yeah, plus like if you've got a gal that's wearing necklaces or a guy even, or if Um, their clothes are noisy, (laughs) I mean, and then even, and on guys or girls too, sometimes if they're wearing little tank tops, it's hard to hide the, the lavalier somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of challenges, you know, we, we, we use them, we try to use them to the best of our ability, but if you're independent, trust me, you know, you're going to get your best bang for your buck with a boom. So just, just get the boom. So there's your hot tip, everybody. Just use a boom mic. Just get that third person there to hold the boom mic for you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, and then what is a uh, wild sound? Like a lot of times uh, I see people saying, okay, everybody hold still. And then we're just going to record. So what is that used for? Oh, so it's just basically the sound in the room, right? So when you're trying to edit um, your, your, your film, um, sometimes you're cutting from different times, days, you know, um, people being in a room versus them being absent can change the sound. So you're recording the wild sound or like just the sound in the room so that you have a baseline to put under your edit. So it doesn't like sound real choppy or crazy when you're, um, you know, cutting from scene to scene from shot to shot. So um, if you're, if your sound person is good, they're going to remind the director, like every time we change a setup, we're going to ask for wild sound, at least like 25 seconds. You know, you could go a minute if you wanted to, but you just want to get enough so that you can use it in post um, to cover up some of the, the challenges that you have normally. Does it ever get used behind ADR? Like if you need to go back yeah, and yeah. record something? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want yeah, to really just to, to give you that baseline so you have something there. Yeah, we just did a project where we did a lot of like voiceover, but then some of it, like you can just hear that difference so much between 
the on-set recording and then the like it's almost like the other mic was like in a soundproof closet and so like all of the ambient noise is missing from those recordings and it's really kind of jarring so i've heard actually that you can watch a film that has bad video as long as the sound is good but you can't watch a movie that has bad sound no matter how incredible the video part is yeah, it, it makes it unbearable and people will just turn it off or like we've all been to festivals where it's like, oh, you can't even get into the film because just the sound is terrible. So like I encourage you as you're planning your production, make sure you include the sound. Yeah, that's <laughs> like they, they need to be right up there. <laughs> don't skimp on your sound, people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that, uh, you kind of started out and you, you've done that a lot, but you've also actually done a lot of, uh, producing now too, and also writing and directing. So I wanted to talk, um, a little bit about, um, you know, like what, like what happened or were there any key moments in your experience or like how, like, why are you making this move? Have you put sound behind you entirely? Like, what are you thinking? Okay, so I, I have not put sound behind me um, totally, um, but I'm going to tell you, like, my real passion coming into filmmaking was the writing. And so I'm just one of those people that, like, when I'm interested in something, I'm going to dive in fully. So, you know, that meant being on set, seeing how the process works. And so, like, I've always been um, a writer at heart. And so, like, the screenplay writing started for me like early on in this like process of learning how to make the films. And so um, from the writing and directing that kind of goes hand in hand, like I don't really want to put my work into the hands of someone else. I rather do it myself. And so that's where the directing comes in and producing. It's really, you know, me having a knack for, for story and this process, but I also have a knack for connecting people and and motivating and inspiring and so that's the, the producer in me it's like someone comes for help and all of a sudden I'm producing and it, it just has taken off um like wildly in the last few years and so like I've been doing a lot of producing lately but the writing the directing is definitely uh very much part of what I'm doing and striving to do and um, the sound is one of those things like, hey, when in need, like I'm the person to call. Um, I have a photo of you where um, you actually won Best Director for a short film that you worked on. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if maybe uh, producer Bex can put that up. Oh, okay, this is a different one. That's okay. Oh, this, oh, yeah. this is this okay. is a this is a, a another short film that you worked on. But we can go ahead and talk about this one. Why don't you tell us what's going on in this picture? Yeah, so this is um, the premiere of Chef in Sacramento, which is a film that I wrote, uh, directed, and produced in 2019 as part of a Sacramento film festival called a place called Sacramento. It's pretty a big, pretty big deal up there, and I won the top award, which was the Producers Choice Award there. And this is um, most of our team, so we have cast cast and crew in there. It was a lot of us, so trust me. We um, we had a grand time filming um, as part of this process, but you'll see uh, us smiling because um, I had, along with myself, I had two of my other friends that were part of that festival and competition, so it was really a grand celebration 
for us all. What I love about this picture is like you literally have like so many different people represented, you know, like you've got ladies and guys, you've got young people and old people. I mean, you really just really runs the gamut, you know, because I think your lead actress, how old was she? Oh, like 11. Yeah. And I got to say the kids do so well on set. Like they come off book before you even hold an audition. So like don't sleep on the child actors. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, my kids do some of that acting, too. So I know, like, as a parent, we're always like, oh, please let this go well. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I think our producer Bex was in that photo, too. Yes, uh, producer Bex was a producer on um, Chef and Sacramento with me. That's so awesome. I love that. Well, um, I wanted to talk actually a little bit more about that project because I know okay. that you wrote um, and directed it. And I know the story is like very personal to you. So could you just kind of give us the like background on how it came about? Sure. So I wanted to enter the competition, um, needed a 10 page script. So I took a workshop that Access Sacramento was um, holding. And after like four weekends, it was time for us to turn in a script. And so I I didn't have one um, that I was really sure about. So I ended up sitting down and writing Chef, Chef in Sacramento like the night before by hand and then had to go and type it up so I could turn it in the next day. And at the workshop, we were going to be doing a table read. And so um, the story is just inspired by my my father and my brother, um, who I, you know, I think they are the epitome of not perfect fathers, but but good, good fathers. Right. And so in the story, you have a single father, just lost his job, daughter wants to run track. And so he has to come up with a way to to get the funds to make sure she's able to enroll. And so what I love about the film, in addition to it just being a tribute to my my, my dad who passed away in 2012, um, and a shout out to my brother, what I love about it is it just shows like how the community can come together and, and make really great things happen. And so Chef in Sacramento is really near and dear to my heart. It will always be near and dear to my heart. And it also has set the tone for the kind of work that I do um, going forward. All right, well, we have the trailer for that. So I'm hoping um, we can play that so everyone can see this wonderful short. Okay. Oh, like she's—they're so yeah. good. <laughs> like, 
your heart breaks a little bit. Like the, the girl's yeah. so, so sweet about it. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, the young lady's character is modeled after my niece. And she's very much like that. Just very, like a very smart, but in tune and, and not needy. Just, just a great kid. Mm-hmm. So can we see the whole film anywhere? So I am still in the film festival circuit right oh, now. Wow. Um, so we got picked up for the San Diego Indie Film Festival that will screen in August. So I think after that, I'll probably do like a, a, a release of it just on Vimeo. That's so. awesome. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Well, so what are you most proud of when you think about working on that film? Oh man, a lot. You know, you have this this great project that you get to share. I shared an experience making it with, and then I get to show family and friends the work that I've done. It has led me to to other projects for people that I collaborated with on this project. Um, definitely a confidence booster. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a you know, hey, like you got to show work that you created, and for it to be well received feels good. So it's definitely that, like the accomplishment, the collaboration is is great, but also that it's something that will last forever um, that really just kind of displays like my love for my dad. I mean, it's really fantastic. I would love to see the entire project. It looks so incredibly well shot. And um, it's, I mean, what a great opportunity to take part in something like that. I'm wondering if there is anything that you would have done differently since was that was your first time really being like a writer director on a bigger project. Wow. So we had close to 80 people on our team, if you're counting cast and crew. And when you're talking like micro budget, that's a lot of people to feed. (laughs) So I think um, (laughs) I, I might have tried to scale down the project a bit and save some money, you know, um, that, that's probably like the biggest thing, but also I would have loved to expand the story a bit if possible. So when you're, you know, when you're um, producing for a competition, you know, there's like these limits that are put on you on occasion. And so like I was kind of faced with that and I kind of wish I would have planned to do like a version two that expanded it just a little more because there were other parts of the story that I wanted to tackle, like bullying um, on campus. And, you know, I just didn't have the space in this round. So, um, you know, if anyone wants to, to hear the story, I got some great stories about producer Bex telling me to cut cut scenes. And I, I almost broke down <laughs> and cried about it. So, yeah, expanding it with, with the space, right? And then um, just scaling back are the two main things. Yeah, and you know, you're actually really fortunate because coming into the industry as a filmmaker with a background in finance um, is huge. I think so many people don't realize how much money really goes into it. I mean, even uh, these, I sometimes participate in these two-day or five-day film challenges, and Mm -hmm. the costs can get out of hand really quickly. Yeah, and everybody says, oh, you could just do it with your iPhone, but you can't really... You still need a location and then you need insurance. And then if you have kids on set, you need a studio teacher. And it's like it's like it sounds easy. And then feeding people, like you said. Yes. 
Yes, that's that's a big cost. And I think that's one that people kind of ignore. Like people will work for you for little to no money sometimes, but you have to treat them well. So that's giving them adequate breaks. That's making sure that they're fed well. And coffee, coffee that gets wasted, but having it on set is a big deal. So you just want to make sure like you're taking care of your people and you're fulfilling that basic need that we have to keep them motivated to work. And so, yeah, you know, with 80 people, you're spending quite a bit um, on a multi-day shoot. So, you know, just kind of consider that when you're planning for your next project. Do you have any other uh, tips that from like the finance, uh, you know, perspective on like, because I have never done really any of those seed and spark fundraisers or anything like that. Um, I don't know if there's any suggestions you have for people that are trying to figure out how they're going to finance their project. Yeah. So I like my, the thing that I talk to people the most about when I'm consulting or as a producer is if you're relatively new, like I don't think your expectation should be to raise a lot of money through crowdfunding. I think that you're going to be um, financing it with your savings or your, your paycheck, um, maybe some credit card debt, which is not something that you really want to be doing. So you got to control those costs. And then you're also going to be sourcing from family and friends first, right? So if you're serious about what you're doing, your family and friends will support you. And then when you have a little bit more experience, you're still going to have to use your savings. You're still going to have to go to your family and friends for help. Um, But you're not quite ready to, to get investors involved until you have a project that can really be sold and marketed in a commercial way. So if it's, if it's just like a passion project or just going to the film festivals initially with no real plan after that, I think it's, you know, crowdfunding could, could be the next step for you. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of hard work. And so you need a team that's prepared to do the production with you and also do this crowdfunding with you. Yeah, I think for a while people thought that crowdfunding was like the panacea. This will fix everything. Just crowdfund. But like, I think to do crowdfunding well, especially if you're looking to make more than just a thousand or maybe even five thousand dollars, if you're looking to make more than that, um, I think you really have to have a team of people that are working pretty much full time for an entire month while you're running your campaign. Yes, I've experienced pre, you know, being in pre-production for a film and running a crowdfunding campaign, and you're not sleeping, and you're you're doing a lot of social media posts, but the posts are kind of working. Uh, what really is working is me calling my family and friends and reminding them that, hey, you said you were going <laughs> to uh, pledge this hundred dollars. Are you going to do it? Please do it. You know, and I and I thank you, and you know, like I owe you one. Um, um, yeah, it's that personal like a lot of reminders. Yeah, a lot of reminders and back and forth. So it's it's so much work. And then you got to consider like all those incentives got to be, you know, delivered to your contributors. And so that that becomes a lot of work. So I just think that, you know, you you got to prepare well for it. Yeah. And I've heard that really it's hard to get any kind of uh, besides like people that are just like passionate about your project. Like if you're, you know, telling a, a story like you said about like bullying or overcoming uh, obstacles or those kinds of things. Um, 
you're not really going to get a, a true investor because investors want to get a return. <laughs> and so that doesn't really happen often with uh, short films unless it was like a proof of concept for maybe a feature that they would want to purchase or get involved in. Otherwise, I mean, film festivals, honestly, they just cost you money, especially. Right. And then you right. can't really show your film for that first year or longer. So. Yeah, so there's so many considerations. I just think like, if, you know, I'm going to say like, you can make your film, like there's not going to ever be like a perfect moment or a perfect, perfect amount of money in your bank account to make your film. I think that you can use techniques like scaling. So if I have a $5,000 budget in mind, but I really only have a thousand and it's like, what do you do to just kind of make it work? So I would always encourage people to go after your dreams and don't let limitations stop you. Just try to work within them, be creative, be innovative and, 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 and do it, do, do whatever it is that you think you're going to do, but just know, you know, crowdfunding, you know, investors like that, those, those things work, but they don't necessarily work like the inexperienced sometimes believe they do. And so you just kind of got to consider that and try to work within your means, maybe mm. push it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, do you have plans? I know, um, well, I think I heard that you're in a couple writing groups. Is that right? Yes. So I, I run a writing group with um, a film group that I started in Sacramento called the Sacramento Film Project. And um, also I'm in a wonderful group um, women in media with women in media members. And um, that is probably some of the best times of my like month because we're not meeting every every week it's like every other week but like the conversations the stories that come through the encouragement the accountability is like so great so it's kind of um keeping me um focused on my goal of getting these feature films uh written so that I can move to the next steps yeah, I love writing groups. I mean, I think uh, if you are somebody that's interested in writing, it's probably the best thing you can do because um, it's really easy to let a day get away from you, like with good intentions of writing. But if you know you you know you're due to share some material or even to show up for someone else, it might get you inspired to to work on your own stuff. So I love that. Um, is there anything else? Like, is there anything you can tell us that you're working on right now? So I have my podcast, um, The Creative Seat, and it's a newly launched uh, podcast. And the tagline is the podcast where the curious and creative come to listen and be inspired. And so how I try to differentiate myself from every other creative podcast is we really get into the process, right? So it's... It, you know, I, I'm film related, so a lot of the guests in, initially are going to be filmmakers as well. But um, I'm extending the offer to talk to all creatives because we have similar challenges. It's like this internal thing that happens, external forces that kind of keep you away. So really wanting to celebrate the, the artist, the work, but talk about like how hard it is sometimes to get to a finished work. Um, so that hopefully somebody listening will be encouraged to just keep going or maybe start something that they have had on their mind and hearts for a while and just haven't done it because they just haven't been, had the right motivation. So 
um, I hope you go listen to the podcast and you enjoy enjoy what you're listening to. Yeah, um, I saw you already have a website up for it and you've had your first guest. And so it's I'm just a matter of time, I'm sure, before uh, you've got people from all different types of creative backgrounds. Yes. So, yeah, we'll be dropping a new episode soon. Um, Is it bi-monthly? So we're doing like bi-bi-weekly. So every other Tuesday is our release schedule. Yeah, I love that. I mean, look, I'm a huge fan of podcasts, which is why I started my own as well. It's because I just enjoy listening to them and I love hearing these different stories about people. So I'm super excited to tune in and, and hear all of the wonderful people I'm sure you'll be interviewing. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah we'll drop that Thank in you. the, the show notes so that people can go uh, uh, make sure they follow it and, and keep track of what you're doing. Um, I wondered as we're kind of wrapping up here, if you have any like sage advice for people who are just starting out. So the best advice that I could give you is to do it. So whatever it is that you're um, setting out to do, whether it's making a film, writing a novel, um, being a uh, slam poet, whatever, like whatever you're, you're, maybe starting a business. I think that you just have to, to do so you, if you don't take any actions then nothing is going to happen and so you can't let like fear or insecurity um outside forces uh deter you you have to just kind of fight through them and work around it so um i definitely also want to to tell a, a quick story about um a project that um i have what my friend Bex is also producing here. Um, we have our film festival called the Sacramento Film Challenge. And we had these grand plans. So go check out the, the website. We have submissions open. But here's what's so great about that. We started planning that at the end of 2019 with these grand plans <laughs> for 2020. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. And so we could have just stopped, but we decided that we were going to pivot. And so instead of it being in person, those first couple of years, we um, repurposed it and repackaged it, made it an online festival. We had a, a really great opening and a really great last two years. So we're in year number four. So definitely, definitely if you have films to submit, go ahead and do that. Um, you can DM me if you're looking for a discount code for your submissions. I'd be happy to accommodate. But we did it. We did. And we went forward. And now we have this great festival that, you know, we're able to grow and share with everybody. And it, again, is another just avenue of like celebrating creative people. I love that. Um, that's amazing because it would have been so easy to just throw in the towel with the pandemic. I mean, everyone, I think, felt so overwhelmed at that time. And it's incredible that you took that energy and you turned it into something like wonderful for everybody, you know, and yeah. I'm excited. Uh, and thanks so much for offering our listeners a, a discount code. That's very generous. Um, I, I wanted to also do a little shout out of my own. So I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to the news this week, but Mattel just came out with their newest um, kind of inclusive uh, Barbie doll. Uh, it has uh, 
Down syndrome, and they actually worked with the National Down Syndrome Society to um, make sure that it like really represented accurately someone who has Downs. Um, and it's dressed in this cute little butterfly dress. It's like yellow and blue because those are the colors that represent the, you know, awareness around Down syndrome. And um, its accessories are that it has this little like chevron necklace that has three chevrons because it's the, um, I want to make sure I say it right, it's the 21st chromosome has three copies and that's what makes it Down syndrome. And it comes with little ankle foot orthotics because a lot of kids wear them for support. So I think it's just really cool. That, um, you know, I mean, I grew up with Barbie and like, I don't look like Barbie, <laughs> you know, so it is kind of nice to have uh, these more uh, realistic representations of women uh, for, you know, our, our daughters and, you know, people that like to play with dolls uh, to have available to them. And um, I know that like 2020, I think it was in 2020, they actually came out with a doll that had uh, the skin condition vitiligo where you don't have pigmentation in part of your skin, uh, dolls that don't have any hair, um, dolls with darker skin tones, and a doll with a gold prosthetic limb. And as you know, listeners, I'm all for inclusivity, diversity, and making sure that folks with disabilities are represented. So I just wanted to shout out Mattel for this. Um, I love it when corporations use their power for good and you know they're coming out with their new movie and so i think it's a great time to uh really uh try to make the world a little bit kinder for everyone you know representation is so important so yeah i agree that's a great shout out thank you i know i was when i saw the the post i was like oh my gosh i have to make sure everybody knows about this now my daughter is 14 but she actually does still play with uh dolls she has like a big imagination and um and you know she so she loves to do the that dress up stuff so it made it definitely made me renew my uh, fandom of barbie for sure um but I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It really means a lot to uh, me and our listeners to get to hear your perspective. You have so much experience in a bunch of different areas. And uh, I think people will really learn a lot. All right, awesome. Well, thank you for having me, Erin. Well, that is our show. So I will have um, all the links. We'll drop them into our show notes, especially uh, the SAC Film Film Challenge, um, because they are taking submissions right now. And uh, you can keep up with Samantha at her website at samanthakhenderson.com. And then she's also on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Sam Kendrea. And uh, you can check her out or follow her there. And that's where you could drop her a DM if you want a code for that entry discount. Awesome. So thank I'll you. Well, that's our show. We hope you loved it. If you did, make sure you're subscribed, tell your friends about it, and why not write us a review? If you know someone that would make a great guest on our show, drop us a line. You can find us on Instagram at ThunderTally or go to our website, thundertally.com. This show was produced by Bex Francis, edited by me, Aaron Newmeyer. The music was performed and written by Dylan Newmeyer. And our sponsor is Filmcraft LA, so make sure you go check them out. This has been a Thunder Tally Media production.